0: Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Glad to have you joining me from anywhere and everywhere around planet Earth. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, and if at all possible, maybe we'll find the obvious buried in the absurd. Let's get to it. <laughs> Here we are again, Life 2.0. You know, the concept of this show, the reason I call it Life 2.0, is to make some attempt to lift up our awareness of life on many different levels, if at all possible. And it is a daunting task. First and foremost, I'm very well aware of the fact that I'm first chair here, meaning that I teach what I need to learn the most myself. And teaching is even a relative term. I am not a, a teacher in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I may be a uh, student of life, and that allows me to have some insights and observations that I think sometimes people miss. And those insights and observations come out of the experiences that I've had that most people haven't had. Two times in my life I shouldn't be here, I was gone. Uh, The first time when I was 19 years old, I was working at a drugstore in Chicago. Uh, I had uh, a full football scholarship, didn't attend class, so the next thing I knew I had a half football scholarship, so I had to work off the other half. And you know, kind of learn a couple lessons in that, that's for sure. Go to class, if you're listening and you haven't, go to class. Anyway, there's a, uh, I think there's purpose in all things, and sometimes it takes a while for that purpose to manifest itself. But I was 19, and I was working this part-time job, and in January of 1979, I got electrocuted, and I was done. Shouldn't be here. It was only because of the coincidences that I have now seen as just incidences over time that allowed me to stick around. Uh, the, the guy who was the pharmacist, a great guy named Mike, was a Vietnam medic 10 years earlier in 1969. And when he came back from the war, he took his medical training and became a pharmacist. And he just, quote, happened to stay late that night. It was a Friday night. The pharmacy closed at like 8 o'clock, as I recall. He's never there past 9. This was at almost 10. So for whatever reason, Mike stuck around and saved my life. And wherever Mike is or isn't, um, I know I thanked him in the past, but uh, I think about him quite often. Had he not stayed late, in my opinion, observation and experience, we're not doing this show. At least I'm not doing this show uh, from this end of the microphone. But he did stay late and he saved me. I got my heart going again and it was a pretty tough go for a while. And... At the same time, I was 19 years old and basically felt bulletproof. Right? I mean, it was a major setback, but I made it alive. I'm still here. And um, I was thinking about the self-care that I had to give myself, hence the term self-care, in order to heal. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, after the accident or the incident, as it's become to known to me, because I think it was on purpose on a lot of levels, I just couldn't see it at the time, I was uh, taken to Swedish Covenant Hospital, not far from where this happened. And in the emergency room, the doctors were gonna remove my pinky finger, my right ring finger, and my middle finger. And I've been known to use the middle finger, if you know what I'm saying, so those should stay. The other two were good. The pointer and the thumb were in pretty good shape, except for the fact that my thumb had a hole right through it. Couldn't really feel it, it burned right through. It was like somebody took a laser and burned right through my thumb. And they were preparing to do all that. They had my hand in this, uh, this big metal bowl of slush, ice-cold slush, to, to stop everything from, from you know, getting worse. So I had third-degree burns all over my hands, my body, my neck, all kind of strange things happen with electricity. And humans, when they connect, it's not always a good thing, if ever. And somehow my dad came in and talked them out of that. Something along the lines of, you know, I've spent hundreds of dollars at that time uh, for piano lessons for this kid. And he's really good. And you can't take his fingers because, you know, he's got a future. My dad was full of shit. <laughs> he, he was a great card player. I've never taken piano lessons and nothing along those lines, but whatever my dad conjured up to allow me to keep my fingers, I wouldn't be writing any books had that happened. Now look, that's not not say I couldn't have overcompensated with my left hand and tooth, you know, a finger uh, and a thumb on the right hand. I probably could have figured out But when I look at my fingers, the beating that they've taken from that and from football over the years, I don't even know how I'm able to use a keyboard. But that was another thing that was just kind of set in my mind. And that incident drove home the fact that, you know, life is very precious and very short. It could be, you could be here and then gone. It happens all the time. And uh, I came out of that. And then in 1986, a few years later, got married and three weeks after our wedding, Picking up uh, wedding pictures at a T intersection in a uh, Schaumburg area, which is a suburb of Chicago, and got blasted 75 miles an hour by a drunk driver who ran a red light and I mean just obliterated the car. And I was gone a second time. They covered me up. I my hand was stuck through the window. I was bleeding to death. And coincidentally, a woman, another medical thing, pretty amazing. And my poor right hand, I got to tell you, just taken a pounding over the years. Um, But she stopped the bleeding in my hand. Her name was Cassie White never forget her name. She's a nurse who happened to be working late just up the road at one of the hospitals. And she was sitting at the stoplight, a uh, north and south stoplight. She was sitting on the, on, the, on the southbound side heading north when this happened. And the guy blasted us through the red light, and, and uh, she saved my life. She put her finger on the bleeder that was on my hand, this big vein running in my hand, and she stopped it from bleeding, and she held it there. And I passed out, and then I didn't have a pulse, and so all that ensued. Uh, But I came out of that as well over time. But the most challenging part of that was not the physical, but the mental part. And the mental part was these uh, PTSD episodes I had after watching the guy who was a drunk driver left the scene of the accident get a slap on the wrist about six, eight weeks later in court. And my central nervous system had enough and it overloaded. And I started having panic attacks. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And it was like, the only thing I can liken it to was the old Hulk TV series with Bill Bixby and Big Lou Ferrigno that Bill Bixby, you know, during the day is pretty mild mannered guy and he's traveling around doing his thing and something would come along and piss him off and he would transform into the Hulk. And he'd say, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And that's what happened. And the anger came from this unresolved conflict, uh, with this driver who had done this before. And, Uh, midnight the day of court this this feeling came over me in my sleep and it was basically my central nervous system on overload with nowhere for this energy to go I couldn't work out I couldn't play ball I couldn't work and I was stewing in my own negative energy from all the things that had happened and so I ended up in Sheridan Road Hospital which is I don't even think it's still there but it's down near the lake here in Chicago and it was basically a a place where they take people who uh have problems mentally and it was a it was a major I mean I was on my knees in the room they put me in thinking how the hell does this happen to me square jawed clean cut all-american kid who is minding his own business making a left turn after picking up wedding pictures and next thing you know I'm in this place so the upside of all that was the discovery of how the mind-body thing works and, and, and how we're taught almost none of that in school for sure. And in the, the, the only curriculum there is is in life. And you don't get to study for it before it happens. You only get to learn from it after it happens or you're going through it. And so once they figured out what was going on, they realized it didn't belong there. And so I had to rebuild myself, not so much physically, but that was a challenge, but the mental part was the, was the big deal. And uh, it took years to do that. I mean, there's there were some touch and go places. And so I'm still to this day, because I'm aware of that, I have to watch what starts putting my central nervous system on alert. Because we don't need John hulking out at the age of 63. I'm not <laughs> who I used to be physically. And I could see how that could be detrimental in certain situations. So I say all that because those things have given me insights from those incidences that I don't believe I would have any other way. There, there's the things I've learned about myself and the, and, and people in general, I I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have that in my toolbox, so to speak. So I try to pull the tools out whenever I can when I feel myself getting to a point where that central nervous system, my reptilian brain stems kicking in and overriding my sensibilities to a point. And you know, the mind, is, a, as they say, is a terrible thing to waste. Most people have zero clue on what's going on between their ears. It's all reaction, reaction, reaction. But I've learned to take a, a few deep breaths and then respond at a later time, letting things sit a little bit, marinate a little bit. Reaction is great on the football field and in some uh, cases where you need to be away from danger, but responding to something, an impetus or a situation, that takes some spiritual maturity that you don't dive in right away. And it's the old know when to hold them and when to fold them, when to walk away and when to run. Because there's been situations I've been in where I've had to walk away from them because I know what was going on inside me and it wouldn't be good for anybody, especially me. So I found myself in the last couple of days of feeling that way. You know, just the back's getting up a little bit, getting a little tight and it all started and this is it's you never know what's gonna trip the trigger so to speak because I needed a new cell phone now to just be as clear as I possibly can I'm all about technology I mean it's it's truly amazing uh, what we've created whoever started all this cell phone stuff there's an upside to it of course and there's the downside to it but that's all remains to be seen I guess on a daily basis so the reason it started is because 5G replaced 4G. Remember when 4G was the standard? Well, we had 3G and that was good enough. We gotta be faster. I don't know how you can be faster, like nanoseconds faster somehow improves your life. So it went from 4G to 5G. Because it went to 5G, the phone I had, which I had bought, was now gonna be supposedly obsolete. I could try and figure a way to wrangle around it and all that, but that wasn't gonna happen. So you gotta get a new phone. and Listen, you know, I have these markers in my life and my, my timeline where I have bought things or paid for things and they stick in my head. My first car was a nineteen sixty-nine Chevy Camaro. Great car, thirty-two thousand miles on it, bought it in nineteen seventy-six, seven hundred and fifty bucks. I didn't have the seven hundred fifty at the time. My dad was the bank. He was a real banker in his career. And we figured it out and you know, one of the great lessons my dad gave me over the years is there's the price you pay for something, the sticker price, the ticket. Then there's the price you pay for having to pay the price. Meaning how many hours do you have to work and what is your pay rate, et cetera, et cetera, in order to pay that thing off so you own it and it doesn't own you. So 750 bucks back in 1976 was a big deal for me. I was a junior going into my senior year of high school. I was working at said uh, drugstore. I made about a dollar forty five an hour. So there's a lot of hours that go into paying back seven hundred and fifty bucks. Then there's the insurance. That car actually sat for maybe a week or two until my insurance. I paid it, so I could drive it, I had to pay my dad back. Luckily, he didn't charge me interest, even though I'm very clear in what that is. And so the sticker price was 750, but the hours I had to work to pay that car off, I've kind of connect everything to that, to some degree. You know, buying a house, I've done that. You know, that's obvious. I'm not going to put that in there. But when a cell phone costs more than my first car, my mind doesn't wrap itself around that concept. Just does not. And it seems really absurd and it's obvious to me. So for someone growing up with these tools and how much they cost, it's no big deal. I guess it's all relative. So to me it was like, no, it's not happening. So that Samsung phone I had that went from 4G to 5G, I think... I didn't, pay. I think we bought two of them and it was like, you know, 400 bucks or was somewhere in there for two of them. Okay, great. Had them for three years. All of a sudden somebody gets a bug up their ass and we're going to go to 5G, which somehow in ways I can't fully explain, nor do I want to, supposed to make my life better or quicker. So we got to get a new phone. So what happens is our carrier, AT&T, sends us free phones. Wow, how generous. I mean, you're paying for this stuff for years, so sure send us free phones we get these phones in and it's obvious they're kind of like low-end things now i'm not expecting you know the company to take a hit and lose money so somewhere in here they figured this out here's how much they cost we'll send everybody a replacement phone that doesn't have one and it didn't take long to figure out that you know you get what you pay for they were free and they kind of operated that way so the even though i had this you can't see the quote fingers but i'm doing it the cool 5g technology on this shitty ass phone I was dropping calls. There used a time that call dropping was normal. It's not supposed to be normal anymore. There's towers everywhere and we got 5G. Calls dropped. I've talked to my kids, I can only hear half of what they were saying. They're like, Dad, get up new phone, you know? And text messages was coming a half hour later. So it was obvious that that's not gonna work. It's also obvious to me that I'm thinking somehow this is a ploy to make sure that if we send you a shitty phone, you got to go buy a new one that costs more, that's better. And that's how it went down. So after a while, it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. We're going to go out and look at phones. And to go online and look at phones for a guy like me is a waste of time. I kind of don't care. I do a couple things. I call the same four or five, six people. I text them. It's about it. These phones have more technology than the first lunar module and I really don't care. So we go over to the AT&T store and you walk in there and I've been there before and they have all these beautiful phones laid out and there's lights on them and there's people with nice, you know, matching shirts on and it's all very there's music playing. It's like walking into a car showroom to me. And they got all this stuff displayed and how much they cost and I literally my mind is swimming. When did we get to this point? that this is the communication device out of Star Trek, basically, that costs upwards of $1,400. Who needs that? I literally can't conceive of the concept or the idea of that. Spending that, that's like two of my cars, right there. So we're talking to this nice guy and his trainer that's with him, or trainee, I should say. And I, you know, here's the features of this model, and here's the features of that model and which model's better and which one has air conditioning and do you get oh my gosh. So I let my highly significant other take the lead on this because I'm just I just you know dead weight in the in the water here. And the guy's going back and forth and what about this what about this? Now she needs more of the bells and whistles for her work because she works off her phone at times. I don't. So I get that. I'm just gonna stand by and look around at things, and then the guy all of a sudden said, Hey, we still have flip phones. <laughs> kind of like music to my ears I'm like you have a flip phone now this is this falls in line to me like the vinyl record thing you know vinyl records were around for decades and pretty soon somebody comes up with CDs and and then we're going digital so the vinyl records are all obsolete sold all my vinyl records or gave them away next thing you know vinyl records are back so it's like the flip phone you get these phones somebody comes up with the flip phone I was comfortable with that we don't have flip phones anymore so what comes back in 10 years flip phones so I'm looking at this flip phone I'm like, I could do this. It's like 270 bucks. It's, I don't need a lot on here for, oh, but that's not 5G technology. Excuse me. Why are you selling the phone if it, well, some people are still on 4G. Some people are still on 4G. So you can see at some point, I'm kind of feeling like I'm ready to hulk out here a little bit. I don't want to get into that position. First, you're telling me we got to get new phones because the 5G is coming. You took away the flip phones. Now the flip phones are back because some people still use 5G, but these cost 1400 bucks. Holy mother of God. So this goes back and forth a little bit. and We finally pick out a couple phones and the guy goes to the back, comes out, goes, yeah, we don't have them. <laughs> and we thought about, had talked about earlier, going to a giant box retailer for phones where we bought them the first time. And we kind of nixed that idea. Look, we're here. We're just going to get these phones and and bite the bullet and be done with it. And then they don't even have them. And they don't have half the phones that are on display. Well, we're really out of most of this stuff. You got the flip phone? No. Even though I can't use it, they don't have it anyway. So he sends us to the large box retailer. AT&T guy who's supposed to be selling this stuff. Well, we could order it for you. You can come back. Let me get this straight. That's like ordering a special, ordering a car and then waiting for the manufacturer the assembly plant to put it together and then come pick it up later I'm gonna buy a phone come back and get a phone and the whole time I'm there all I kept thinking was I'm rolling back the years Our biggest choice back in the day was what color the wall phone was black or white I think eventually we got like a green one Those were that was it You need a new phone the the guy the Ma Bell guy would come and drop it off in a box And you hang it on the wall. And that was it. And we did okay for decades with just a wall phone. And then somebody said, no, you need to talk all the time to people. I mean, I notice it everywhere. I really make a, you know, I have hands-free calling, and that should be the norm. I still see people yakking away, not paying attention. I see people walk into walls and street lamps because they're on their phone. Just because you can make dinosaurs, maybe you shouldn't. And in some ways, you know, listen, I didn't have a cell phone when I went out every single day to the pool during the summer of, you name it, 72, 73, whatever. I had a dime in my pocket in case anything happened. I didn't need a uh, cell phone. Anyway, as my rudimentary uh, nervous system gets more and more irritated, so we go to the big box store and we get there. And we find a couple of phones that are reasonable, comparatively. We'll say, we'll take two of those. And Leah says, oh, we don't have those. <laughs> all of this comes out of the idea because some guy thought 4G wasn't good enough. That's how it works in my brain. And I'm following this wormhole of all these back and forth over a freaking phone. Which really, it, the last thing, this thing, it's a camera. You're buying a camera. Ugh. So, we can order these for you. They got to go to another store. Okay. But they're not open tonight. You got to go back tomorrow morning. Okay, great. We're going to live with that. So, we do that. We go back, pick up the phones, get the phones all, all the stuff transferred over. And I didn't, there was a password I couldn't remember. And all I kept thinking is passwords a game on television. I'm really tired of trying to remember passwords. So, we got to figure out that later. Get the whole thing done, come back. And find the password, get the stuff loaded. So all of a sudden I feel better in the 21st century. So I got my emails on the phone and the text messages are there and I can do the four things I've always done. Now I can just do them nanoseconds faster and we're buying phones. What's well, a nice big screen. If I want a big screen, I'll go to the drive-in. You know what I'm saying? I don't need a big screen. So I follow that lemming-like herd and then we got new phones. And all of a sudden I notice... Then on what's called the lock screen, you can put a, a, an image there. And I put my kids on the phone. And the the clock on the lock screen shows up as four very large digits. So like it was 530, you get 0530 in a square. It doesn't look like a clock. It looks like date time to me. Just the date part, not the time. 0530. I'm like, well, what is this? So I mess around with this phone for 40 minutes, watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out how to get the clock to look like at least something I could read because I know every time I open this thing to use it, I'm going to see those four square numbers and it's going to bother me and I'm going to start going into Hulk mode. So I'm paying to be irritated, basically is what it is. This go- So I get to the point of stop, drop and roll. Like, you know, a fire drill, when you're on fire, you got to stop, drop and roll. So I stopped what I was doing, I dropped out of it, and rolled all the way back to the big box retailer to ask the guy at the Geek Squad if he could change this so I don't get irritated. He couldn't figure it out. The Geek Squad guy, who's paid to know this stuff on a phone, couldn't figure out how to get the clock to look like it's supposed to. My central nervous system at this point was highly inflamed. Highly inflamed. Drive back, take three deep breaths, say, screwed, it, it doesn't matter. Then I jump online anyway, and I start chatting with a representative from the company who asked me to do these certain things, which I've done already myself. And that didn't happen. And then they say, you'll have to check back tomorrow for a level two technician who can help you with this. But it's possible that you don't have any choices in the matter. This is the way they made the phone. No choice in the matter? Really? No choice in the matter, eh? My point in this little mini rant, while maybe amusing on some levels and relatable to many of you, gave me the opportunity to roll back to what's important and what's not. So there's a little bit of rise in my voice still. Yesterday I was kind of sitting there going, yeah, it was burning hot here in Chicago. You could still fry eggs on my ass just because of the phone thing. It made zero sense to me. The whole trail made no sense. All the way back from how do we go from wall phones to cell phones, to flip phones, to no flip phones, from 4G to 5G, back to flip phones. We don't have your phone. You gotta go to the retailer to get it. The retailer didn't have it. I gotta go order it, and then the clock's wrong. And I'm paying for it. None of that makes any sense to me. To me, that is the very definition of the obvious buried in the absurd. It is absurd that we've gotten to this point. However, it's a pretty cool device. I mean, I got text messages last night from friends of mine that I haven't talked to in a while. They sent these beautiful pictures of where they live and they want me to come down there and and hang out. And then I got a text from my daughter and she was out enjoying the evening. And I called my son who goes, oh, you got a new phone. I could tell the difference. Okay. Sound good, dad. Okay. And all of a sudden the balance started returning. And I was reminding myself of what it was like to be able to Get out of that stuff of the reaction mode that I was in yesterday and start to respond a little bit. So this morning, I woke up and the clock's still exactly like it was yesterday. And I thought, Man, I don't care. I'm not going to care about that. There are some things in life you just can't control. Matter of fact, that'd be about 99.5% of life, no no control. And if some nimble decided that this is the way the clock's supposed to look because they liked it, they got to look at these four squares, then that's how it goes. What's more important is what's in what it does for me. It allows me to stay in touch with my kids and my friends. So the long story here is really very, very short. You know, it is all about response and not react. There are places in time to react, but when you give things some time and you, as my friend Wayne Dyer, the late great Wayne Dyer, would say, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And one of my first thoughts this morning while drinking coffee and watching the birds outside do their thing was, this is a first world problem, John. Boo hoo, right? Look how tough your life is because the clock on the phone isn't what you think it should be. And I'm not living in the Ukraine and I'm not, I haven't been bombed out. I've never gone hungry in my life. You know, uh, I, I get to do work that I love and enjoy around people that I care about and, and all the connections that are made. And, you know, when I really start looking at that side of the list, it's amazing how inconsequential this clock became. So we'll see if this holds up for me, (laughs) quite frankly. And the more I pull back from that stuff, uh, the better off it gets for me. And I think that was the overall lesson. There's a lot going on in the news, kids. There's no question about that. And some of it affects us directly and some of it doesn't. And knowing where to hold them and when to fold them, when to walk away and when to run, goes a long way to, uh, to helping us keep our sanity in this, this thing we call life. So I hope your cell phones are working well. I appreciate that you took the time to spend with me today. Have safe travels. I appreciate you listening. Adios.